Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, Jeff, I have a question for you. Yeah? How are you doing today? I'm doing uh, I'm doing pretty good. Cool. Um, just went to a bachelor party this last weekend. Ooh. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Um, it was uh, the uh, the bachelor was a guy I play uh, Warhammer with. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it was it was the you know, uh, every, okay, everyone drink responsibly. Yes, I did not. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't like I did I dr- drank and dr- I mean, drove or anything he, like that. You're not currently in the hospital with no, cirrhosis yeah. of the liver. Or no, anything. no, I'm 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 very. You know, I'm very safe when it comes to when it comes to in- intoxication. Mm-hmm. However, I'm usually like, like you know, I usually try to not get to a point where I know I'm going to be hungover the next day. Yeah. I was very hungover the next day, and it was <laughs> terrible. And I had, I was I was playing D and D that the next day, and I should I should have just like, and it wasn't until like right up until we started playing that my headache started going away. So I was not in a good mood, and I, I wanted to be because I was playing D and D, and I don't have a chance to do that very often. So Jeff, has nobody ever told you that drinking and D and D does not mix? <laughs> I think hangovers and D and D don't mix. <laughs> okay, drinking and D and D, as long as it's within in moderation, I think is is okay. Because yeah. you know, somebody somebody like me, what you know, when I when I have you know, one, uh, one or two beers in me, I'm mm. a little bit more sociable. Sure. So I feel like that can that can help to a point. I'm, you know, don't know, uh, don't drink if you're underage, kids. I, yes, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. I, 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 <laughs> um, I, I don't know if if many of our listeners know this, but I have never been drunk before mm-hmm. because I, I just don't drink. It's right. just, just not my thing. Um, somebody brought over some Bud Light, I think, and it's been <laughs> sitting in our fridge for over a year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure because <laughs> what are we gonna do with it? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, well, anyway, um, yeah, I I don't drink, so I I can't really uh, can't really relate. Yeah, in that regard. Yeah, yeah it's it's um, it was rough. And then beyond the uh, beyond the hangover, I also had at that same party, mm-hmm. um, had a very very hot like hot sauce. Oh right, right. It was um, six million on the what is it Scoville scale? Yeah. Is that what it's called? My goodness. Which which was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of proud of myself because it didn't. It wasn't. It was not as bad as what everyone's saying it was going to be. Like, sure. And the other guy that had that had had some, not realizing what it was, was having a really bad time. I was like, "This is really <laughs> intense." Yeah. And I am going to regret it. And I, I, I almost don't regret it, but I know I'm going to want. I've been trying to stay away from hot sauce, from sure. spicy food, mm-hmm. and now that I've had this, I'm like, I kind of want to try more. I kind of <laughs> want to try more. I want to get back into eating spicy food, even though I know it's gonna just it's gonna wreak havoc on my stomach. Yeah. So yeah, that's so that that was my weekend. It was <laughs> getting hungover and eating spicy food, which did not do well with my stomach the next day. Sure, sure. Um, I'm I've been getting better about uh, spicy food. Like my my wife has gotten me to eat a lot more like Indian food and mm-hmm. stuff like that than yeah. I ever would have in the past. Yeah. But hot sauce, like the hot, hot sauces, I, <laughs> I just, I, I just can't do it. Yeah. I've tried, tried and it just, no, the it hot, doesn't work. The hot for the sake of hot ones. Yeah. Like the one I tried, like I, I didn't hate the flavor. The flavor is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, But I feel like the hot for the sake of hot ones, sometimes they forget 
to make it taste good. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember a long time ago, we went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and tried their like Blazing Wings Challenge or whatever. And yeah. I mean, this was like 15 years ago or something. So I don't, uh, I, I doubt it, it is the same as it was then. Right. But I just remember not only was the sauce really hot, but like it didn't even taste good. Yeah. You, a lot of hot sauces overdo it on like the liquid smoke flavor yeah. and, or, you know, or I don't know. They just, there's... There's certain thing there's there's certain things about like some of the the really hot ones it just I don't like it just, it just tastes like hot yeah and that might be because it's so hot it's kind of burning your taste buds or something I but, guess maybe yeah, this is turning into another episode of <laughs> dinner, <laughs> dinner party conflict yeah um yeah well anyway anyway so in in less exciting news I had a horrible day today <laughs> oh no I won't get into uh, to to any real details but um uh, a month or so ago I I. A couple months ago, I had to go to the emergency room because I woke up in the middle of the night with this in, intense pain in my side. And then yeah. uh, we ended up not being able to catch up on our backlog episode right, because yeah, of it. That was part. Yeah, that was that was part of the stretch. Yeah. Where um, we couldn't we could not record <laughs> a, a backlog. episode. Right. Well, the same thing happened today. Mm. About an hour after I went to sleep, I woke up with this intense pain and I knew what the what it was this time. So right. I, I I didn't feel the need to go to the emergency room. But. It was bad. It yeah. just ke- it kept getting worse. Like it it didn't didn't necessarily get worse, but it kept staying really bad, and like the pain kept moving. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't walk around. I was just in so much pain. It was awful. Eventually, eventually, after about four hours of of dealing with this pain, eventually I was able to fall asleep for a couple hours, and mm-hmm. then when I woke up, everything was fine. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess. So uh, anyway. Oh, and also because of the either because of the pain or because of the pain meds that I was taking from that they gave me last time this happened, um, I kept throwing up. Yeah. Like four separate times. Ugh. I just. Uh, so I'm not going to be eating bacon for a while because <laughs> yesterday I ate a whole bunch of bacon and, and I was reminded of that fact <laughs> several times today. Oh, no. So eat bacon <laughs> responsibly. everybody. <laughs> um. um yeah, so so my day has not been great, but mm-hmm. hey, I'm doing better. Right. And this this issue I'm having is is fairly courteous in that it does not ever bother me while I'm at work. It only ever happens on my days off. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean that like there there is another view of that where it's like it's interrupting your days off, but That's that's true. That's but, true. But I would rather it happen on a day off than on a day when I have to work cuz I at my work if I'm not if if I'm going to be out sick, I have to be out sick to to get credit for it being like a medical leave. I have to be out for a certain number of days at a time. And like this isn't going to put me out for that many days. Right. So instead I have to just use up my sick days and I've only got so many of those a year. Sure, you yeah. know. Well, that's enough of uh, interbody conflict. <laughs> um, you want to go ahead and get into the episode? Sure. Uh, Jeff, I want you to imagine that you are, you wake up one day and you're about to start getting ready for work, but you realize that you are incredibly sick. Your your nose is running. Oh, no. Your, this never happens. Your th- it never happens. Exactly. You're, you're throwing up all over the place. It's, it's disgusting. Um, you think you might be hallucinating due to a fever or something. You're mm. not you're not quite sure. But just to, you know, just to play it safe before you head off to work or call out sick whatever you're going to do today. You grab your sword, you grab your shield and your car keys. Uh-huh. But then before going out to the car, you open up that door at the end of the hall that isn't usually there. 
And behind that door, do you know what you see? What do I see? You see the dragon's horde. It might be that you're hallucinating because of a fever. Uh-huh. It might be because you did let that dragon stay with you while his house was being renovated, oh, renovated right. last month. Yeah. He might have left it there. That's true. You know, he might have put a spell over that wall so that... Uh, you wouldn't be able to, nobody would steal his stuff. I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with this. Um, we're going to get into this item here. So this item, this item was submitted by Jack, our patron Jack and uh, and personal friend Jack. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, this item uh, was submitted by email and it is called the Bottle of Whispers. What What is it saying? The Bottle. Whisper. Oh, okay. That was, yeah. And uh, apparently, it is from a book. It is titled. It's from a book titled Nerzagal's Dungeon Master Toolkit Two, Nerzagal. which is up for purchase on the DM's Guild. Mm. So I'll putting a link to that in the show notes. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff on the, the DM's Guild. Yeah, yeah. I found a few things on there that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I was talking with our our other patron Noah Wizard the oh, other day. Yeah. And he uh, he was sending me links to like he he bought a couple books on 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 DM's Guild, and he was like. Hey, look at this cool thing that's in this book. And like, they were all really, really cool stuff. Yeah. A lot of people are making some really good con- content on there. Mm-hmm. Like, and In fact, the book he was showing me, he was telling me stuff about was made by the guys from D&D Character Lab. Yeah. Why did I not even mention? Last week, we had D&D Character Lab, Garen and Dan <laughs> on our podcast. They were wonderful guests. Yes, absolutely. It was awesome. <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful episode. I don't know why I didn't start out the episode with that. Aye. I'm sorry, Dan and Garen, you if you're listening you can't, to this. You can't front load the episode. I, I guess, I guess. But then we're hiding it in the, the Dragon's Horde. Maybe there's people that listen and they don't want to listen to the Dragon's Horde. So they skip ahead. Who skips the Dragon's Horde? I don't know. If you skip know. the Dragon Horde, email us at interpretconflict at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, Bottle of Whispers mm-hmm. is what we're talking about today. So this item, it is a, a an uncommon wondrous item. When the cork of this bottle is removed, it will capture whispers of any conversation within 30 feet. Oh. As it captures these conversations, colorful smoke begins to swirl through the bottle. The colors are vibrant and diverse, each unique to an individual conversation. So if there's a couple different conversations in there, one might be red, one might be green. Cool. Uh, once five minutes of conversation have been captured, the bottle is completely filled and can hold no more whispers until its contents are emptied. When the bottle contains smoke, it can be tipped on its side to pour out conversations one at a time. Each of these conversations are written on a small piece of parchment wrapped up and bound by a colorful string that matches the color of smoke that was poured out of the bottle. There is no indication of who spoke the words written on the page, and the participants are simply listed as speaker one, speaker two, etc. Once the contents of the bottle have been poured out, it requires 24 hours to recharge before it can absorb additional conversations. That's really cool. That is a really cool item. I like how you can capture multiple conversations. Yeah. I like how it transcribes them onto a little slip of paper. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's all color-coded and uh, that that's really cool. Like, yeah, you just keep that in the middle of a tavern. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, keep that in the middle of a tavern. Oh, it collects, my goodness. It collects a lot of things and, like, you know... You'd have like a rainbow of, of of conversations in there, right? And so like you just you just have like all these conversations, and like they're not attributed to anybody, so like it might not, you know, you won't be able to like, uh, I don't know, implicate anybody in like a crime or something like that. Sure, I guess. sure. Or like I, this would probably not be admissible in court. Let's sure. just put that right out there. But it could create some intrigue. Like sure. maybe maybe somebody is discussing like a crime or something, and then you're like, wait, who was there that night? Like a murder, it could be like a murder mystery party thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
I, don't I just, know. I just really had cool. a great idea. Yeah. What if you know that like somebody has been, I don't know, threatening the princess or something like that. And so you put this thing in the room that the princess is going to be. And then you come back later and there's smoke in there. So a conversation happened. And then you see the person threatening and so on and so on. But then you find out later it was the princess that was threatening the other person. Oh. And because it doesn't tell you who it is, it just says, you know, speaker one, speaker two. Although I would say speaker one and two, that kind of makes it sound like speaker one is more important than speaker two. How about speaker one and speaker A? <laughs> huh? 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 Uh-huh. Huh? Huh? <laughs> so anyway, uh, but yeah, there, there could be, I could see in something like a book or something, there being a a little bit of a confusion or like a misdirect because you think that the person who's speaking is you think speaker one is this person. Yeah. But it turns out that they're actually speaker two and speaker sure. one is this other person you didn't suspect. Another way to do it is instead of saying speaker one, speaker two, it's just they're just slightly different colors or something okay. like that. Like sure. one is a like if it's a red color smoke slash That would thing. be speaker one because that is the best color, obviously. <laughs> just, if it was a red one, it would be like speaker speaker one is like a dark red and speaker a is a <laughs> sure, like a lighter sure. red or something like that. Just so there, there's there's a diff, there's a difference in the in the writing. So you know mm-hmm. it's you know two different people, but it's not you know. Here's a question. Uh huh. What if uh, Demon Prince Demogorgon was in a room having a conversation with himself <laughs> because he does have two heads? <laughs> I think the bottle would just explode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> You're probably right. And um, this isn't really the time or place for this, but I want to say if you are saying the Demogorgon. That's not D&D, that is Stranger Things. Demogorgon in D&D is a specific being. Oh, right. It is not the Demogorgon, just like it's not the Jeff or the Gandalf. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Gandalf. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I think this is a really cool item. I had a character back when I was playing as my my cleric, Saythorn, back in the Chronic S-Block days. Uh-huh. He was given a cloak or a robe or something that it was a really cool robe. But one of the things that it could do was if I can see something, I can hear it. Oh. And so, like, I don't think it ever came up in game, like how that functioned. But in theory, I could look through a hole in a wall and see a situation like at the far end of a room Mm. and be able to hear the conversation as if. As if I was right there. Nice. And uh, anyway, this kind of makes me think like think of that. It's just a neat thing that lets you lets you listen in on a conversation that you wouldn't uh, wouldn't be able to otherwise. So I have a, I have a character that I'm playing. She's uh she's like a little old lady caster. Okay. I think I might have mentioned her at some point. Is she the the um, diviner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although although this build I have her and she's gonna be mostly bard. Okay. Just like two levels of divin of of, of wizard to get the di- divination thing. Sure. And then and then bard said so like she's she's very heavy in support. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's gonna be a lot of like helping the other like the rest of the party make their roles and stuff like that. So yep. I feel like I feel like if I can if I can help control the way the dice ro- lands you know in a way, um, I, like it'll it'll make everything run a little bit smoother. Um, but I was looking at like what cantrips that I want to give her and like. I've never given any serious thought to message. Okay. But I think message would be really cool mixed with having a familiar that I can like, basically if I can put like, I can put a familiar on like, if somebody is going to be talk, if some, one of the party members is going to be talking to somebody without my character being there, 
I can have my character be there by putting the familiar on like their shoulder or something. Sure. Being able to see and hear through them and then using the message spell can like whisper what they should be saying Ooh, or something yeah. like that. Because as, as far as I know, the, my, my character is the, like has like the highest charisma and stuff like that. I'll, the other campaign I'm in, I'm more of like a tank fighty kind of character. And so I thought yep. for this other one, it should be more of a support and uh, like, you know, the talking one. The, the one who does the talking. <laughs> sure. Even though she, she's going to get the party in more trouble than than out of trouble. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like so th- this this sort of thing where like being able to spy on people or mm-hmm. you know uh, commu- like different ways of communication and stuff is very is very neat. Yeah, this is it's an item that really uh, it really highlights how powerful information is. Yeah, and you know they say like now you know and knowing's half the battle or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that is meant in this context, but I mean that's that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And and having having a way to communicate with others and or gain information from others at a distance is a very very powerful thing. Yeah. It's really going to depend on what type of campaign you're, campaign you're playing in. Yeah. How powerful this is, but it's really cool. I would love to put that in a campaign, and see what the players do with it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it is depending on the campaign and like the how you guys how the group plays normally, but like divination. Mm-hmm. In some groups, is seen as these like the weakest of the of the of the magical schools. Yeah, in third edition, you you only had to give up one school instead of two schools, right? To specialize to be, to be a diviner, right? Yeah, that's right. And so, but I mean, like, you know, dip, again, depending on the campaign, but it can be the most powerful because if like mm-hmm. if you can know what's going on, yeah, like it's kind of it's almost like cheating <laughs> a little bit a little bit it's almost like cheating but if but like most of the divination spells come with some sort of caveat like they they like it's more cryptic or it's like single word answers sure sure or and in and in this in this bottle's case like there you don't know who it is like you don't know the names it could be anybody who was talking in that in that room yeah you know so like so there is there's still some mystery and intrigue to it but it is is a very neat i like the flavor of it too the smoke swirling in the bottle yeah yeah i really, really like cool. that i like this one yeah yeah it's a really cool one um so once again that was the bottle of whispers and it was from nerzagal's dungeon master toolkit 2 so i'll put a link uh, to that product in the show notes uh well i think that'll do it for the dragon's horde today mm-hmm. if anybody wanted to submit dragon's horde items to us or questions for us to discuss or stories for the funeral pyre how would they do so they could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. Yes. Now, before we go any further, we have a giveaway today. Uh-huh. Today, we're going to be giving away a copy of Chapel on the Cliffs from Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone. And, uh, Jeff, who is our winner today? Our winner is Scott. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes. Scott. At the moment, we've only gotten one Scott. So if, yeah. if there is a second Scott out there and you think it's us, contact us. <laughs> or if you think it's you, contact us. Um, but uh, yeah, because he's got an email and I want to say what his, what his email address is. Sure. But uh, yeah, congratulations, Scott. Uh, I hope you enjoy this this product. If you haven't gotten it within uh, 24 hours or so, mm-hmm. let us know. Also check your spam folder. They always uh, seem to get caught by that. And yeah, if anybody wanted to enter this drawing, Jeff... How would they do so? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with Chapel on the Cliffs in the subject line. Yes, it is that easy. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to uh, take a moment and plug our Patreon. We've got a good number of uh, of patrons on there. I just added a couple more goals, not rewards, but goals. Just things for like what's going to happen when we get to, you know, certain, certain yeah. dollar amounts uh, total. And, uh, you know, I've got stuff on there. I, I would like to eventually get um, some 
some way for people to purchase merchandise with our logo on it. Sure. Yeah. Because I've, I've had people mention to me that like, oh, I thought I was going to get a shirt because the logos for each of the <laughs> tiers are shirts. And well, I mean, none of the rewards said there was a shirt. Right. But I went and I added into the blue tier uh, description, there is no shirt included yet. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so I would like for there to be, you know, uh, a, a way to, to get you know, for people to buy shirts or right, whatever with our, yeah. our logo on it. If they want like a mug with our logo on yeah. it or something, that'd be really cool. I even have a higher, a higher goal that if we get to that point, I'll find a way to get patrons a free shirt. Sure. You know, and there might be a requirement like you have to be a patron for a certain amount of time first. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, if we, if we get, if our Patreon gets to a, a good enough point, sure. I'll find a way to get everybody a free shirt. Yeah, that's cool. I guess it's not technically free because you are paying money. But oh, right. A yeah. complimentary shirt is yes, what I should have said. That's that. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, if anybody wants to check out our Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. Mm-hmm. We've got some good tiers on there. You get uh, the lowest tier. You get outtakes from us. You get uh, a fantasy fiction that I write every month. Um, you can read that. We've got, if you're the $5 tier, you get bonus episodes. We're actually about just about to record our bonus episode for this month. Mm-hmm. I also do like a little, every couple of weeks, I do like a little update to our patrons, letting everybody know like how editing the show is going, what sort of media I've been consuming over the, you know, the past couple of weeks. And uh, and then if you're the top tier, not only do you get to take part in our uh, monthly Roll20 game, which I'm trying to schedule that at the moment so we can get that set up. Yeah. But also you get, uh, you can... Give me your character, and I will write my monthly fantasy fantasy fiction about your character. Yeah. So just uh, a week or two ago, I got out one of those for uh, Justin. Justin from Crit Academy. He's one of our patrons. Cool. And I wrote a story about his character, a goblin named Zazu. Zazu. I think it was a very fun story. He really liked it. Cool. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's one of the better things. I think every time I come out with one of these, I think to myself, this is one of the best things I've written. (laughs) And I think that's pretty cool. I think. uh, I mean, it's definitely a good exercise for, you know, right. Because like people come up with the, you know, kind of give you the subject and you just run with it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's definitely, it's a definitely good, it's definitely a good way to, to, you know, stretch your muscles. Sure. Sure. And also like I hadn't really done any writing in a long time. And so it's. This is a way to force myself to mm-hmm. to get back into writing. And our mm-hmm. our mutual friend uh, Noah Wizard has been has been giving you very good reviews. He yes, well he's actually been helping me write a lot of these. Like I'll mm-hmm. I'll I'll go and I'll if I have a basic idea for something I'll say hey how does this sound for a basic idea and he'll be like oh that's cool or oh maybe it should have this sort of a theme mm-hmm. and then I'll write it send it to him and he'll give me these like line by line critiques like oh well the way you worded this sentence. Could be it would have a more of an impact if you worded it this way, mm. and that's really cool. And then there are other times, especially with uh, Justin's uh, goblin character, the end of the story, I had it end kind of ambiguously. And whenever I'm writing something, it all makes sense to me. I know what what I'm writing, so I need a second pair of eyes to look at it and say, uh, Gabe, no offense, but this doesn't make any sense. And Although I I do still feel like what I originally wrote wasn't bad, he gave me a much better way to do it, and then I took it, rewrote the ending, and then he loved it. So cool. I'm not not that he was he wasn't the patron that that right uh, that uh, uh, had had commissioned that, but giving he's the person that's been giving me critiques on stuff to right. help me write something better, and he thought that I wrote something pretty good. Yeah. So, so he has been a huge help. Yeah. In my my writing. 
yeah, so so our Patreon, I think it's really good. We got some good tiers on there. You can some you can get some good rewards. Just check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, even a dollar a month will get you some cool stuff and help out the show. Yeah, and if you can't give us anything, you know, we we appreciate you listening. Oh and yeah, just, absolutely. And word word of mouth, you know, tell tell a friend about us. You mm-hmm. know, if you haven't already. Yeah, we've gotten a bunch of uh, new listeners recently because they heard about us on uh, on uh, Crit Academy. Awesome. So, yeah. So. Um, Thanks, everybody. And uh, oh, uh, one more thing before we get into questions. Check out our friend podcasts, D&D Character Lab. I know I mentioned uh, they were on our episode last week. It was a great episode. Um, Also, Crit Academy. Justin from Crit Academy has been on our show a couple times. Mm -hmm. Also him and his uh, co-hosts, Ian and Brandon. I've been on their show a couple couple times as well. Mm -hmm. So both those are two great podcasts. You guys should definitely go and, uh, and check them out. Yeah, a lot of good content from those guys. Yeah. And I should have, I keep forgetting stuff. To mention at the beginning of the episode, but my brother's Kickstarter, by the time this episode has gone out, has ended. Mm-hmm. But as we record this, it still has a few hours left. It's got like four hours left. And it is 670% of its goal. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So it is way, way, way past its goal. I have people, some of our listeners have uh, sent me a message saying, hey, I, I uh, backed this Kickstarter. Thanks to you guys mentioning on the show. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody out there. I'm not getting anything from this, but it's my brother. You know, I love to support uh, right, my brother's yeah, work, and I think it's a great game. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's a very, it's a very interesting concept, and um, we, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it was like, like as a as a D and D player, it was hard to get into. But mm-hmm. once I f- once I figured it out, like once I understood it, then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like everyone's the narrator, yeah, to, yeah. A, to a point. So like there's a lot of possibilities in there and it's it's a, it is a very fun concept. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for uh for backing that. Anybody who did and if you didn't, you can, I'm sure you'll be able to buy a, a copy of this in the future if you want to. Right. Um it's called The Mountain Witch. It's a samurai blood opera according to uh to what it's uh what it's classified as on on Kickstarter. Anyway, it's a great game, so keep an eye out for that if you didn't uh, didn't catch it on the Kickstarter. Enough of that. We're we're well into into our recording time today. You want to get in some questions, Jeff? Sure. Let's get going. Cool. Okay. Our first question comes from You're Fired Then. Sorry, no, no, you're not fired, Gabe. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that'd be <laughs> that'd be terrible. We wouldn't have a podcast. Gabe does all the work. <laughs> uh this was on Reddit and they ask, Am I the only one who hates hearing people's D D stories? Now <laughs> first things first, I wanna Ouch. say I, I am a person who uh has has you know we've made a podcast that is very largely D stories not entirely but but it is yeah. a large portion of the runtime of our mm. of our show yeah and our, is, our end segment is a basically a D story pretty much yeah that being said and i don't mean to say anything is wrong with people's D stories but i kind of i kind of see where he's coming from <laughs> now I think that there's there's a way to tell a D&D story mm-hmm. and a way to not tell a D&D story. But like in general, if so, Jeff, if somebody walks up to you and they're like, hey, let me tell you about this dream I had. <laughs> what's what's your reaction? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Your outward reaction is probably like, oh, yeah, Neat. cool. Tell me about this dream. And then your inward reaction is like, where is the nearest exit? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. When somebody is trying to describe you a dream they had now. I know I know people who when they are describing a dream they're just they're just making stuff up. I mean like they are yeah. they're just trying to tell a story and like we like they're either trying to say it like have some weird backwards way of telling somebody something 
Like it's like it's it's like. Oh, I had a dream where you gave me twenty bucks. Or, ba- ba- I'm holding out my hand now, <laughs> giving doing the ge- the the universal give me money gesture. In the simplest way, yeah. It yeah. was such a cool dream, Jeff. It would be awesome if that came true. Yeah, it's like give me, give me, give me. I had a dream that we all that we all did this thing I want to do, and it was a good time. <laughs> like that, basically that. Yeah. Or, or it's or it's somebody trying to describe a dream, and it's their actual dream, and it makes no sense because it's a dream. Because it is just nonsense that your brain throws out because it's trying to. I don't know, clear out the RAM or whatever. Right. Yeah. So like, but so you're just like, okay, all right. Or somebody's trying to use a dream to describe or to like, to like, I don't know. They're, they're like trying to use a dream to, to, to like make an argument. Okay. And it's like, but it was, but it was a dream. Yeah. Like a, you, like it, a dream is not admissible in court. <laughs> sure, like, you know, sure. like it's just, uh, it's just a dream. Yeah. So, so, um, the reason I ask about dreams is because D&D stories are really very much like dreams in that if you were not there to experience them, mm-hmm. 95% of the of the impact is lost. Right. You weren't there. You weren't a part. You didn't feel the emotions while they were pumping. You, you're just hearing a story about something that happened, but to you there are no stakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, when something funny happens and you're trying to describe what, you know, you when you try to describe a joke, it kind of ruins the joke. Yeah. So when you're trying yeah. to describe what was cool about this story, the situation, it kind of ruins it. Sure. Sure. Because you're not, you're not in the same, like, it's not from the same perspective. You're not in the, like, you're not, you're not in the same setting. You're not with the same people, you know, like it's. It's not like the story is not going to be told the same way. Yeah. And and I would have to say, because there, there's different types of, of D&D stories that people share. Mm-hmm. And I think some of them are better. Some of them are, are less better. The type of D&D story that I generally find very hard to... The type of story that I think has the least value mm-hmm. is the type of story where the whole point is that I rolled really well. <laughs> sure. Because... If okay, if someone is like, "Hey man, I just climbed a mountain yesterday. I trained for it for a long time. I had to use all my best judgment. I climbed this mountain. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know, I can tell that they they made that happen. They they was it was not an, it was not possible at one point. They made it possible. But if they said, "Yeah man, I bought a uh, I I bought a lottery ticket, scratched it off, won a thousand bucks," am I supposed to say congratulations? Because <laughs> What they did isn't based on anything that they, any skill that they had. Right. They took a chance and statistically, some of those chances are going to pay off. Some Mm. of them aren't. You're not going to tell me about the chances that didn't pay off. Right. So all you're telling me is about, oh yeah, I got lucky. Right. And with, with, if the story essentially boils down to, hey, this cool thing happened because I got a natural 20. Okay. I can see that that was exciting to you while it was happening. Yeah. And that is exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. The game. Um, we actually, I'll, I'll give a little, little bit of a spoiler here. Um, we have, somebody submitted a question to us. That's what's your most interesting natural 20. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great question, but I don't have a good answer to it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like when a natural 20 happens, it's really fun. That's, that's really cool. You, you know, you, you're going to be excited about something like that. But if you tell that to me in a, in any sort of like a bragging way, I'm not going to be interested. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I understand some of the stories that I tell do essentially amount to <laughs> I rolled really high and the DM rolled really low. There is a story that I have shared on on several occasions where Ichi got eaten by a shark. 
And then he managed to pull himself out. Now, although yes, that was largely because I rolled really high and the DM rolled really low. But I don't tell that story because, hey man, listen to this time that I rolled really high. It's that I have this character that like, the whole point of the character was that he kept getting all of these badass things attributed to him. And then one of the things that he actually did do, that's one of those things that like if a person in real life did that, you would think that it was complete and total bullcrap. Right. But it just added to the legend that sure. was this character. Sure, yeah. Most of which was fictional. Yeah. You know, within the game world. So, like, I don't just tell it because, oh, man, he climbed his way out because I rolled really high. It's like, yeah, my character got eaten by a shark <laughs> and pulled his way out. Right. So, like, somebody who's listened to all the stories of Ichi and then they hear that one, they're like, okay, that's just going too far. Sure, but that's the sure. one that actually happened. <laughs> sure. And if some if someone listened to it and they were like, oh, you only did that because you rolled really high. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair criticism. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't blame anybody for not being interested in that particular story. Um, I also think that when you're sharing D and D stories, shorter is almost always better. Uh huh. There's all sorts of subreddits where like on r slash D and D or r slash RPG, or I'm pretty sure there's other subreddits that are like, just tell me your character stories Yeah. where someone's like, Oh man, what's your, what's your best character story? Or even, let me make take this a bit more closer home. I've posted on Reddit, on Facebook, and so on about what's your um, what are some some memorable character deaths. You know, trying to get some funeral pyre stories. Right. Yeah. And I always try to say sum it up in like just a couple sentences because anytime I see someone's story about their character death where it's like four paragraphs, it's real hard for me to not just scroll straight past that and never look back. Right. You know what I mean? There have been some we've shared on the show that were kind of long, mm-hmm. but most of the time, if it is longer than three or four, if it's longer than one paragraph, I'm just instinctively going to pass it up unless right. we like are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Right. And like, you know, and it's and it's obviously no offense to the writer in any way. We're mm-hmm. just, it, you know, one we're, it's supposed to, you know, fit like a, you know, it's a time slot, basically. Like, sure. You know, there's sure. only so much we can fit at the at the end there. And really, I mean, it's especially as a writer. Um, it's, it's an issue of editing. Oh. If you can tell a story in two sentences, don't tell that story in four sentences. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if you like, you're not going to get everybody's attention for as long as you want. Mm. So try to try to narrow down to the vital details and by vital details, like there might be some details that aren't vital to the story, but they are vital to the telling of the story. Mm. So if you're telling a story, you, there might be just one little superfluous bit of data that you want to give just because it. It just gives the story just a little bit more pop. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and we're not saying don't send us your... Yeah, no. not I'm, That's not what I'm saying at all. If you want to send me D&D stories, send me D&D yeah. stories, even if they're really long. Yeah. I, I probably will read them eventually. It's just right. like... My, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be fighting a little bit of a, of an urge to, to pass it up if I have other things that I have to get to. Yeah. So send us your character death stories at, uh, <laughs> interpartyconflict at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I think that a lot of this, see, I feel like a lot of this does and doesn't apply to actual play podcasts mm. because actual play podcasts are very, very popular. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've gone on the record as not being a huge fan of them, not because I think that they are bad, just because there, there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them and it's hard for them to, to stand out. Sure. So now on, on one hand, I feel like an actual play podcast is better than just hearing somebody's story because you are experiencing it as it's happening. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of part of the fun. Sure. 
But even still, you're only about halfway to that goal. Yeah. Because you, it's not your character. You didn't create the backstory. You aren't the one that is getting the visceral feeling of rolling the dice. So when a good roll happens, it's not happening to you. You are living vicariously through the people playing the game. That being said, it is a bit better than just hearing a story. Yeah. So I, I don't think that actual play podcasts are bad for our are less inherently less valuable for that reason. However, another thing about D&D stories, I feel like I've said this before, but I'll, I'll say it again, is that I guarantee you your D&D game is not as exciting to other people as it was to you. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. It's just yeah. that because you were there and because you had a part in making it, it's naturally going to have a good, you know, it's going to have a place in your heart. You're yeah. going to, you're going to have fond memories of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, none, none of this makes your stories like less fun to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or rather it shouldn't. Yeah. When, whenever you criticize something, somebody likes it, it's always going it, to, it's, it's going to feel like an attack. Sure. Like it's going to feel like an direct attack. And that there's, there's actually some credence to that. Actually like chem- chemically, your brain feels like it's being attacked. Yeah. Like you are being, assaulted in some way and that's that's why people get so defensive in these sort of things yeah but like but none of this what we're saying is none of this should you know make your story feel you know less fun to you less exciting to you sure like because you were a part of it it was fun if it felt fun it was yeah but and that's that's the important thing yeah because yeah there are plenty of stories i could tell i could tell but uh, but i know like halfway through i'm gonna be like this isn't really an interesting story (laughs) sure i've i've been in that i've been in that position before (laughs) yeah where you just start talking and then like yeah like like a minute in you're like oh wait this is kind of boring from the outside (laughs) yeah (laughs) or you realize like this is going to take so much more explanation than i want to to get the impact that i want it to have Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be worth it yeah I, I was just thinking uh, another another type of, of D&D story that I very much dislike hearing. And again, I understand why people share these types of stories. But like with my own D&D sensibilities, I just this is like the worst type of story, in my opinion, is stories where it, it always starts with, oh, man, I ended a 10th level encounter with a cantrip. <laughs> okay. I before you even get into that story, I can tell you right now, you probably didn't read the description of the cantrip completely. You probably used it in some way it was not intended to use. You probably broke a rule that that the cantrip <laughs> oh, sure. was not intended to break, and that's how you ended a tenth level encounter with a, a cantrip. Yeah, the, there will always be threads on r slash RPG and r slash D or whatever. That's like, oh, what's your most creative use of a spell? I always click on them just out of a morbid sense of curiosity, but I know what I'm going to see when I get in there. It's like, oh, yeah, DM let me cast Destroy Water, and it killed a guy because the guy is a container and destroyed all the water, and he's 70% water, so it turned him into dust. Right. Okay. (laughs) There are many reasons why it doesn't work that way. The first being, it's a cantrip. If it was meant to deal damage, it would say it was it would say what happens when you cast on a person. Right. And like a lot of those kind of spells usually say cannot be cast on a creature or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know? But like like, OK, every single spell in in every edition of D&D, somebody has thought, how can what if I use this on a person? How much damage does it do? If damage isn't listed, it doesn't work on a person. Right. Because everyone is going to want to use mending on a person to try to deal. Da- Somehow <laughs> they're going to want to try to use mending or mm. open clothes on a person to deal damage. Mm. 
if it dealt damage, it would say that in the spell description. Ooh. So mending sidebar. Sorry. Okay. Don't mean to interrupt. Sure. I was looking into mending and I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out like what, what are the limitations on it? Mm-hmm. Like if, so what one way that I use this. So like speaking, speaking of using a cantrip sure. to do something that you probably shouldn't have been able to do. I, when we were at, uh, when we were playing with Justin. Yeah. Um, I used mending to basically duplicate a thing. You did. Didn't I don't you? think that's possible with the mending. I like the mending, well, the wording in mending. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. The wording in mending doesn't, I like, I don't think the wording is good is great yeah. for, for the art, for like some of the, like the rulings I've seen online or like the, at least the suggestions of rulings. I don't know what the official one is, mm-hmm. but like, I think the idea is like, if something is broken in half, you can fix it as long as it's like under a foot. Like you can size. put it back together. You can put it back together. It's not that it will fix a broken thing. It doesn't like create a new half. Right. So like, you know? yeah, basically if it was like, it's with anything within a foot, Mm-hmm. So if it's smaller than a foot in any dimension, yeah. if I, that basically what I did was I broke a small thing in half, casted mending on one of the halves, and then it became a hole, and then casted mending on the other half, and that became a hole. <laughs> sure, so yeah, I, I, I do things. remember that. That was when we were playing uh, Claws of Madness. Right, yes. Um, so, like, you know, the reading the rule, it doesn't really necessarily, like, say anything against that, but it more it, but it says, like, a tear or sure, crack sure. or that sort of thing. Or like one of the, one of its examples is a key that is broke or like a key that's in two halves. You yeah. can put it back together or something like that. So like I could, I could say like, Oh, I solved this puzzle, but like that was cause it was missing a piece <laughs> Yeah, because I broke one of the pieces in half and then just mended each of them and made two more pieces. And I was able to solve that puzzle. It, sure. It sure. That, like uh, we weren't spilled. We, you know, Otherwise, we would have had and fought this like really hard boss to get the other the other part of the puzzle. But I solved it with a cantrip, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that didn't actually happen in this right, in this right. exam in this in this case. But you know, that's you know that if you're defeating a tenth level encounter with a cantrip, it's probably because misread it. Or, sure, sure. Or or the DM was just being thought it was a funny idea and thought like, okay, let's go with it. Fine. Well, yeah. So so like, let me explain why why these types of, of stories bother me. Sure. I mean, number one, I do have a, I am a bit of a stickler for the rules. I've said even, I think in our second episode that I'm a bit of a rules lawyer. Yeah. I try to never let it get in the way of having a fun game. If the D, if, I don't ever use it to tell the DM what to do, mm-hmm. but if someone is, is, is obviously not, not following the rules, if it's on purpose, that's fine. But if it's, if it's because if it's out of negligence, I, that, that bothers me. Yeah. Because you know you should you're you're playing this game that has a ton of rules. Yeah. Because you like the rules, otherwise you'd be playing a different game. So you should try to stick to the rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little but, less nice about it, but <laughs> sure, sure. But um, so so it bothers me because it it shows a a negligent uh following of the rules. Mm-hmm. But also it's because like okay, let's say a person says, oh yeah, uh, the short description of Mage Hand says it gives you five pound telekinesis. So the DM let me use my five pound telekinesis to pop this guy's eyeball because five pounds of force could pop an eyeball. My response to that is that you're not using a cantrip in that case. You're using an incredibly powerful spell that could murder someone instantly with no save. Right. Don't you wouldn't brag about saying, yeah, man, I, uh, I killed this guy with power word kill. Aren't I awesome? No, because that's what the spell does. It's like, yeah, you, like yeah, your character is awesome for getting to the, for getting to that level to be able to cast that spell. Right, I'm right. I'm sure there's plenty of good stories that brought you to that point. 
Right. But, you know, the act of just casting a spell and killing a guy that well, is meant to kill a guy. But but what they're saying, is they're not saying, hey, I cleverly used a zero level spell to do this thing. They're saying the DM made this zero level spell ridiculously powerful and I used it to kill somebody because what else am I going to do with a ridiculously powerful spell? Yeah. It, you, you can't brag about something that is horribly broken. Sure. Because it's horribly broken. Yeah. It's going to horribly break things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That That's why those types of stories just, I have, I have very, very little patience for them because like, that's not what the spell does. That makes the spell significantly more powerful. Yeah. And that's why you can't do that with that spell. Right. And if, if you could, according to the rules, everyone would, everyone would use it. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Like, I mean, I mean. If the DM actively made it a house rule that this is how the spell works, okay, I disagree, but whatever. It's your yeah. game. Go for it. But I like when the world itself is consistent, is internally consistent. So if a zero-level spell was able to pop an eyeball with no save or attack roll or anything, why is anybody casting anything else? <laughs> why does anybody have eyes anymore? <laughs> I mean, come on. An eye for an eye for an eye for an eye. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So... Sorry, I know I'm 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 yelling at the cloud and everything. This old man over here, but like those types of stories, those types of stories, I really have very very little interest in, mm. just because like I they, in my mind, they are not at all heroic. They're not at all exciting. It's just like, well, I mean, did you read the description? Because that's not what it does. So anyway, um, th- those types of stories I don't like. If it's a t- if if the story is about. We were in this weird situation. Here's some cool decisions we made, and here's the effects of those decisions. I can get behind that. Mm. I, I like those types of stories. If it is a story about players, you know, having to make a difficult decision, or I don't know, coming up with something the DM didn't think of, and yeah. then derailing a campaign because of they because the the players had a cool idea, I'll get behind those. I've shared some stories like that of my own. Those types of stories, I, I think, are a bit a bit more universally accepted. Mm. But if it's if it's a story that has to do with if if it all comes down to I rolled really high, that's not as great of a story. If it's a story that's I broke the rules and profited from it, you know, those those ones are even are even worse. So again, I don't mean to tell anybody that your stories aren't fun for you. I don't right. mean they. I don't mean to say they shouldn't be fun for you. Yeah. If you enjoy listening to this, if you enjoy those those things that happen, if you enjoy telling them to people, awesome. Yeah. Don't let me stop you. Go on, tell everybody. Have a great time doing it. Just, I can understand if someone said that they don't enjoy hearing D- people's D and D stories. I can get behind it, and that's why I. That's that's why I would be on that side of the fence at times. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. I really hope none of that came off as like. Gosh, Gabe. dismissive or or negative. I'm I, like I said, I I share D and D stories all the time. This is a podcast that is a large amount D and D stories, mine and other people's. Mm. So, you heard it here, folks. Gabe hates you. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I was asking this question, I would not have used the word hate. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah. If I if I did use the word hate, I would put some sort of like a a. A modifier before that, like, I kind of hate. Right. Or sometimes hate, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a bit, a bit too negative. Right, yeah. For me. Yeah, we're, you know, we're not, we're not trying to stop anyone from having a good time. Sure, sure. Know? And I, again, I apologize if, if that comes off that way. I don't mean it that way. Yeah. 
you if you enjoy your game, awesome. Mm. You keep on enjoying your game. Tell me about how you enjoy your game. Yeah. But you know, certain things I have I have less interest in. Yeah, there there are certain aspects to a D and D story that aren't necessary. Yeah. You know, like or, or that aren't you know, that's not the fun part. Sure. To be told. Sure. That that could have been the fun part in the game, but it's not. You know, but it's not as exciting in, you know, in story format, I guess. Yeah. Like if you went to a concert, what would you tell if you wanted to tell somebody about this concert you went to? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the same because they weren't there. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to like it. It's, you know, you could say like, oh, the music was so great. It was like, oh, OK, well, cool. Like, like, yeah. great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I didn't get to hear the music because I wasn't invited. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, our next question comes from Eccentric Owl on Reddit, and they ask, "What are your favorite physical props that you've used?" Yeah, um, well, bef- I've I've mentioned a few on the show before, but do you have any props that you have used? Um, well, most of the props I can think of were from you. Okay, okay, that's <laughs> so that's fine, that's fine. Gabe Gabe does Gabe likes to use props, or at the very least, he likes to use like handouts and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so I that's don't. A big thing. I will say I don't use them often, right? Because it is a lot of work. But the few times that I have. I, I love them. Yeah. Um, there was a, when fifth edition first came out, I started running a fifth edition game for you, mm-hmm. for Chris. Dang. For my brother, not the brother that, uh, that made the mountain witch, but my other brother, right. my brother, Ted. Uh, and then, um, uh, Zave was, was in that campaign right. as well. And then also, uh, Tom and Mary from Hollandspiel.com. Yeah. You may have heard of them before. Yeah. That's they, when we first met them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the first time you met them. Really? Yeah. I believe so. Oh, okay. Pretty sure. Um, also, so they were there and I think that might've been everybody. Oh, and, and Dave, Dave was, was part of the campaign for a little while Yeah, at the very beginning. Um, in that campaign, the very first session, I introduced the idea of quest day to everybody. So like, oh, you guys right, remember yeah. going to a tavern and <laughs> uh, joining quests and whatnot. And so I made, I had one tavern in mind that I wanted you guys to meet at that mm. I made up. And so I made flyers for that tavern. Yeah, I think I still have mine. <laughs> there you go. I think I have, a, I have a copy of, I made two different ones, two different flyers for the same tavern, oh, actually. okay. And I, I'm pretty sure I have a copy of, of each one. And it was, you know, it was a little thing. I spent maybe like an hour uh, getting it ready, but... I think I really like it. I, I I wish the campaign had gone on longer, but mm. I loved the idea that you guys had a physical representation of something that happened in the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so the one I'm thinking of, this was back in 3.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, there was like an adventure that was like this, like, um, it's like a contest of champions sort a of challenge thing. Challenge of champions. Challenge of called. champions. And so, like, there were a lot of, there, like, there are these different challenges, so it'd be, like, some sort of puzzle or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of them involved magical boots. Yes. And so you had to figure out, uh, you had to, like, match the boots and then figure out, like, the command word to activate them and to figure out, like, what they did and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, in, in order to make it a little bit more complicated and fun, Gabe had had these uh, had made these paper bags. Yep, just got a bunch of paper bags from the grocery store. Yeah, and so and like and he marked them depending, you know, depending on which boot they were. And so we <laughs> had to physically put on <laughs> these paper bags over our feet and then speak the command words. Yeah. And you know, and like so we had to try so many different combinations to you know find the ones that were going to help us like get. I think it was like you had to find like the one of like striding and springing or something to get something like that. Yeah, can't quite remember, but I just remember like having like putting paper bags over my feet and like like yeah. saying words and like there were. <laughs> I think one of the words was like one of the problems we were having was that like 
it was upside down or well, something. Yeah. So uh, mind if I give a bit more more background? Sure. So I th- I feel like we've mentioned this on the podcast before, yeah. but the Challenge of Champions was a it was a series of adventures that came out in Dungeon Magazine. Mm-hmm. I want to say there was like three or four of them over a few years, and it was it was an adventure that in theory you could play whether you were twentieth level or first level. In uh-huh. theory, I think at twentieth level you probably had a lot of options to trivialize a lot of these encounters, but they were, they were puzzles rather than like combat, right? Rather than just skill checks. You had to, you had to use your brain. There were ways that you could also use skill checks. Mm -hmm. And if you had spells or class abilities or whatever, that let you do certain things. You could use those to your advantage, but in general, it was supposed to be like the players have to use their brains. Right. And so it definitely was a different type of encounter than most people are, are used to. And then there would be, like 10 different rounds each round you had a time limit on and then it wasn't just your group it was also there were like a bunch of other parties of adventurers and then you were on, you were racing basically so like after each encounter the dm would keep track of how much time you had left and then whichever team at the end had the most time got like a benefit in the last round or something like that mm-hmm. and so um so anyway there was always there was an element of time so you couldn't take your time you had to be quick and then a lot of these puzzles involved physical props. Yeah. In this case, yeah, the 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 puzzle was that uh, you needed boost of striding and springing or flying or something to cross this pit. And whoops, the, somebody mixed up all the boots, and so there was just a big pile of identical looking boots. Some of them were left boots, some of them were right boots. You were given a slip of paper with the command word on it. Right. You had to. Put on a right boot, put on a left boot, say the command word. If that didn't work, take them off or take off one of them and put on another another one and so on. But then there was an extra added twist where the players would eventually realize after trying every combination that the command word could be flipped over and it was a different word upside down. Right, yeah. So then they had to go through the whole thing again. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, try everything on again. (laughs) Yeah, so for that one I used uh, used, um, just... Ordinary paper grocery bags. Yeah, yeah. I think that one was a lot of fun. That was good. I think there was another one where the players were given like they there were several potions, but they were each marked something different. Mm. I think like they each had like a little jumble of letters. And then I think part of the puzzle was you were supposed to like put them all next to each other and then it like spelled something out oh. or something. I, I don't mm. remember. But I had a whole bunch of little tiny glass bottles. And so I put the little labels on each of those. Um there was one where the players had to in the dungeon they had to like climb up and reach into this hole and pull out like a block with some symbols on it and then i had i printed out on cardboard and i taped a printout onto it mm. and so you had these little blocks in your hand and then you'd have to posi- you'd have to put them next to each other and try to if you held them a certain way you would make the symbols would make out a word and so you would say that word and it would like open a door or something. So I loved those adventures, number one, because they were, it was a fun change from a regular adventure. Right. And number two, because I loved making all these props. Uh-huh. Like, it's just so much fun. I love that sort of thing. There's, <laughs> there's one challenge. It's not prop related. But there was one challenge where the party, they were each on a different balcony and they had to like get to one another, but they had to coordinate their actions. And there was a... In the room with them below the balconies was a gibbering mouther, which is a monster that if you hear it, you go insane. Right. And so the entire the entire puzzle, they had to have they couldn't talk to each other. They had to have earmuffs on so they right. couldn't hear anything. Right. And so the whole thing had to be done without the players communicating. Right. Which 
that definitely makes it really hard. But, you know, it, hey, if if that's part of the adventure. Right. You know, it's yeah, it's pretty fun. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So so those are really the those are the main props that that I've used personally. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, more like uh, aesthetic props or, you know, th- I think, you know, you know, you light some candles or something at the sure, DVD sure. table or, or if there's like an item of importance to like, you know, Oh yeah. You know, may- maybe, maybe when the adventurers come to like, come to actually find the lich's phylactery, but they need to you find give a way them to a little it. box or something. Yeah. You, you give them this item that they like that, you know, you have at the table so they can like actually feel it and hold it mm-hmm. and like, you know, they could be like, all right, well, we got to find a way to destroy this thing. And then like, so having some sort of visual representation of something so, you know, central to the plot sure. or to the adventure that can have a real impact that, you know, so like having, having something tangible to represent that something so powerful mm-hmm. can make the experience that much better. Yeah. I've toyed with the idea of giving a player some sort of like really complicated puzzle box. Okay. Giving the player one and saying your character finds this box. If you can ever get this open, then you're, that means your character got it open too. And there is something inside that mm. your character will get. <laughs> because I was given, there was a campaign. I think it was when I was playing a Saythorn. I found a puzzle box in game and the DM would occasionally have me like make some sort of like a decipher script check. I think it was to try and open it. And I never did. And I never found out what was inside of it. <laughs> And so, like, I don't know. I, 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 maybe I could have prompted the DM for more checks. Maybe I don't know. But if there was like a physical thing, I could have been working on that, like while I was at school or while I was at at work or whatever. Sure, yeah. So I think that would be a neat thing if you can give the player something that they can take home with them. <laughs> if you could do my taxes, I'll give your character <laughs> a really nice magical oh, man. item. Oh man! Oh man, Jeff, <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> I think I might cut that out of the episode so I can use that. No, that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, so I want to say I played with somebody who like made either a shield or a sword or something that his character had, but I'm blanking mm. on who it might have been. Yeah. So, like, basically, just cosplaying your character and using pretty much, props pretty and much. Stuff I mean, you know, I, I, I have been vocal about that sort of 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 thing being a bit nerdier than I'm willing to go. I think I think that's a bit of hyperbole. I think that if you are if you are that excited about playing your character, yeah, all the power to you. I don't mm-hmm. mean to disparage that. Yeah, I wish I was able to go out of my comfort zone like that sometimes. You know what I mean? Sure. So, um, I again, I feel like I've played with somebody who made some sort of a prop that their character would have, but I'm mm-hmm. maybe it was a really long time ago, and I'm blanking on yeah. what it was. Like, yeah, maybe there's some sort of like quirk or something your character has that has to do with an item. As long as you don't annoy the other players with sure, it, like sure. that, be, that can be a neat thing to to have with you. Yeah, or you know, just like if you're um trying to think, like if your character is like walks with a cane or something, maybe you have like a cane with you and you can like tap it, you know, okay. tap it every no- once in a while or something sure. like that, you know, to kind of make like a. You know, just to, if your character's trying to get at somebody's attention, you can, like, you know, hit, tap somebody on the cane. As long as you're not, like, wailing somebody with it or, like, you know, tap, like, banging on the table constantly. You know? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so I really like physical props. I haven't used them as much as I feel I should, but the times that I have used them, I, I've really, really, really noticed that I made a, an, an increase in the enjoyment of the, of the, the game. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our normal questions today. Before we close out, though, uh-huh. uh, before we go to the funeral pyre, I want to bring up our social media question. Okay. Now, 
Uh, if if it has not been obvious yet, I I kind of goofed the last couple weeks. <laughs> I got twisted around on which question we were doing, and then the timey wiminess and. <laughs> Long story short, we the last couple of weeks have been kind of a kind of a mess. But sure. So so two weeks ago and then last week also the question <laughs> that that we we talked about was uh have you ever gotten into interactive fiction, such as like games like Zork oh, yeah. and uh um text adventures, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I finally I had forgotten to post that on social media. I accidentally posted the following week's question. Anyway, um we only got a couple of responses to it anyway. Um, but on Facebook, Sean M said, uh, Zork was fun. He said in Black Ops 1, you could escape the chair in the main menu and play it on a computer in that room as an Easter egg. Oh, okay. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. I, I mentioned in one of the Fallout game, Fallout 3, you can play as, uh, you can play Grognak the Barbarian or something like that. Right, yeah, as a, like a text adventure on your Pip-Boy or something. Well, it wasn't or on your Pip-Boy, it was on a terminal. Yeah. I think in later games, yeah, they it, did put games into your Pip-Boy. Right, yeah, and I think, yeah, Fallout 4, they start, like, if you found a game on a terminal, you could basically take it out of the terminal oh. and put it into your Pip-Boy so you can play it at any That's time. That's really cool. Uh, but then Sean also says, uh, th- and and this is this is sort of getting away from the text adventures, but whatever, I, I goofed up, so I'm not going to criticize anybody else for, for sure. Going outside of the question, um, but he says Mist was phenomenal. Not quite a text adventure, but you know, similar. Yeah, yeah. I could see the inspiration in it, Mist. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mist. Mist was a fun one. Yeah. So Mist was phenomenal. Lands of Lore, Thrones of Chaos with Sir Patrick Stewart, Ooh. and then there was the challenging Robinson's Requiem. I haven't heard of any of these except mm. Mist. Uh, and I can't forget Maniac Mansion, which might be a bit less typical fiction interaction. Oh, Jeff really likes Maniac Mansion. I I've love Maniac Mansion. I've never really played it, but I do love point-and-click adventure games. Maniac Mansion, as far as I understand it, was the f- had the first video game cutscene. You might be right. I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. Maybe from me. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, just one last thing. Sean says, uh, I'm sure there's more from my Commodore 64 days. Go 64. Yeah. So, yeah, the old computer games did have a lot of games like this because they were very, they were not graphically intensive. So, you know, you didn't, you know, you you, you didn't have to have a powerful computer to, right. to run them. It was more theater of the mind. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then on uh, one more response on Twitter, Treant Monk, uh, which is at Chris Honkala. I hope I pronounces that pronounce that correct. Said when I was young, I loved the choose your own adventure books. So uh-huh. now, uh, uh, Garen, I think it was said, you know, he he enjoyed those. I think those are really cool. Again, that's not really what I meant, but whatever. <laughs> that's it's it adds to the conversation, and that's good. Yeah. So yeah, choose your own adventure books were awesome. I think, yes. Uh, I think those were a lot of fun. I still have mm. several. So now uh, that brings us to today's question. Uh-huh. And so just again a reminder: if if you if you th- this question sh- in theory should have been posted on social media a couple days ago, so I don't know. F- <laughs> you figure it out. You figure it out. Well, someday, keep, someday keep we'll keep an get eye this. on our social media. Just, there you, you go. Know, just there stay, you go. Stay involved, and we appreciate it. You know. Yes. We just we just want it to be fun. <laughs> sure. So this question is a little different. This is a di- different format of question. Okay. Jeff, you come across a locked door. What is your preferred method of opening it? Huh. I can give you some examples of of what I mean. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I understand. I, I understand the question. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it in the perspective of my of the character I'm play, currently play, uh, playing, which is Myrtle. She's an old lady. Sure. 
She's going to knock on it and just say, hello. That's <laughs> that's a great answer. Yeah. Which, you know, some some party members <laughs> might be like, oh, dang it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, you don't just knock on a locked door in a dungeon or something, you know, like, you know, it could be an enemy on their side. But like in most cases, that's going to get the door to get open. Like it's going to open. Sure. We sure. might not like what's on the other side. Absolutely. But it's going to open. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great answer. Um, I would say. In general, either pick the lock or go look for the key. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think bashing down a door is the least interesting way of getting through a locked door. <laughs> I mean, like, it's classic. It's a, that is, it is, a, it is, is classic. a classic D&D that is like the, like, you know, the, the, the barbarian, like, in the group is just like, stand aside. I'll take care of this. Boom. You <laughs> yeah. know, which, I, you know, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think. That's, yeah, that's that, that's the classic way. That's not necessarily like the the I don't know the most interesting way. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, if anybody comes up with any other um, cool you know cool uh, solutions to mm-hmm. to an obstacle like this, we'll read them next episode. <laughs> Dig a hole under it. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So uh, so um, yeah. So once again, you come across a locked door. What is your preferred method of opening it? So I think that'll do it for questions. So now, before uh, we close out the episode, mm-hmm. we're going to sit back. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a deep breath. Excuse me. <laughs> we're going to toss another log onto the funeral pyre. So this story was actually submitted just a couple hours ago, just a couple hours before mm-hmm. we recorded this. It was submitted by Collins on uh, email. Yeah. And this story is titled The Ballad of Chimney Sweep Tom and Daniel. <laughs> Chimney Sweep Tom, a child with two crippled legs who gets around on crutches when not selling papers. Oh, my goodness. Or papes, as they call them in Newsies. And Daniel, a human farmer who was found wandering in the woods with an intelligence of five, were exploring a dungeon with a rogue human and a rogue Modron fighter. Mm-hmm. Modrons, of course, being the uh, like, like robotic beings from uh, yeah, the, from from mechanists. Yeah, the little clock part of guys. like a hive mind, and this one apparently uh, broke apart, similar to a character in uh, Voyager. Pla- Planescape, what? Voyager? Star Trek Voyager. Oh, I, gu- I guess. Okay, <laughs> good uh, good pull there. Seven I was gonna nine. say. Planescape Torment. Sure. Because that is actually a Modron, but Borg, oh. Borg are close enough. Cool. Close enough. <laughs> Upon triggering a poison trap, Daniel fell unconscious. <gasps> the Modron, whose name was Portcullis, I think that's a good name. Yeah, I like that. Extended his hose attachment <laughs> into Daniel's mouth to pump him full of clean-ish air. Oh, goodness. The Modron rolled a one on basic medicine check and exploded Daniel's lungs. Oh, he's dig-dugged. He got dig-dugged. He did get dig-dugged. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, okay, no. well, well, the story's not over yet. In a later room of the dungeon, Chimney Sweep Tom was knocked unconscious by a skeleton. The rogue checked his vitals and saw that he was alive. He then told the party that Tom had actually died and convinced them both of that, and they couldn't afford to take his body with them. Natural 20s are great. The party left his unconscious body there to be later hacked to pieces by another wandering skeleton. Oh, no. And then uh, Collins did did give a follow-up email as well saying, small edit, after fact-checking the story, the rogue was uh, not a rogue. He was actually a pact of the blade warlock. His name was Joshua. And uh, leaving Tom to his death was actually commanded by his patron. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so then the, the, um, the epitaph from Collins reads as follows. 
Rest in peace, Chimney Sweep Tom and Daniel, you useless bastards. Clank. Clank. Now, I just want to say, there are a couple parts of this story that are a natural one and a natural 20, but Mm -hmm. that's not what the story is about. Sure. The story is about the characters doing stupid things, like the Modron trying to put a hose down his throat and fill his lungs. Yeah, like the fact that it was a natural one (laughs) is is almost not important. That's not important. Exactly, exactly. The important part was... What? Yeah, <laughs> and then and then and then the uh, the rogue slash uh, warlock basically killed and killed the 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 character and then lied to the rest of the party. About yeah, that's it. that is an interesting story yeah. right there. Uh, anyway, I think that'll do it for uh, today's episode. Yeah. So to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the dragon sword or stories for the funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell me about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where you can watch us play video games and possibly see us uh, play arcade games pretty soon. Yes, I'm hoping to figure out details for that by the end of the month sure. so so maybe maybe something next month maybe a little after we'll we'll see yeah so keep your ear out for that yes and speaking of arcade games if you'd like to submit some of your childhood memories of going to the arcade either yeah. write them to us in an email or record it yourself and send it to me at arcade memories podcast at gmail.com now by the time this episode goes out i might have the first episode of the arcade memories podcast done i might maybe not okay. but if not by the time this episode goes out then definitely in the week after. Sure. Trying to really, really trying hard to get that done this month. Yeah. Uh, and then it, there might be additional episodes. If we get uh, additional submissions, yeah. it might be the only episode. You know, either one is fine with me. Right. If if you listen to it and you, uh, you want to submit some stuff, go for it. You can also head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict and take a short survey about our show. What you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So Jeff, until next time, don't get dig-dugged. It's good advice. <laughs> <laughs>